This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The Vikings, Wolves, Wild, and Twins will occupy a ton of real estate here on Scoop Podcast episode 160 being recorded on the 17th of July, Tuesday evening. I'm thrilled to welcome back a sponsor that's been along for the ride for a while. I certainly would not be doing this podcast without the fine folks at Skoll Marketing. They're a business-to-business marketing agency. Your small business deserves more attention, although they cater to all types of businesses and business owners, but they do specialize in working with local small businesses. They, too, are a locally owned company started by two former Google employees to help the little guys compete. They work with businesses in web development, pay-per-click advertising, social media management, and so many more areas. Let's make Google work for you. You think about it. These guys worked at Google. They are former Google employees. You want your business to pop up in a Google search before other businesses. They can help you in so many areas, but Google search engine and mastering that is such a big deal when making sure that people are aware of what you do, what you're selling, your business. Your business deserves that sort of attention. And Skoll Marketing can make sure your business gets that attention. Hey, do this. You can get a free 30-minute consultation. Hey, what is there to lose? Give them a call at 612-787-SKOLL. 612-787-SKOLL for a free 30-minute consultation. Or if you need some more information, their website is skollmarketing.com. It is Skoll Marketing. They want to help the little guys compete. No surprise when your company is named Skoll Marketing. The Skoll Marketing guys love football. It is football season. We'll get to a conversation with Ravens tight end Max Williams. The Ravens play in the Hall of Fame game, so Max is on the practice field with the Ravens for his first training camp practice on Thursday. I had a chance to catch up with Max before he departed for Baltimore, so we'll get to that conversation in just a bit, but I'll get to some Vikings notes before Max. And before Vikings notes, we will start with Larry Fitzgerald Jr., future Hall of Famer, entering his 15th year with the Arizona Cardinals. He tried to recruit Kirk Cousins to be his quarterback, but he swung and missed. Arizona swung and missed. They circled around, ended up with Sam Bradford, who we know well. They also got Josh Rosen in the draft. Arizona has a new coaching staff. They have a rebuilt offensive line. Lots of changes in Arizona, but one fixture is the future Hall of Famer, Larry Fitzgerald Jr. I caught up with him on Monday afternoon at Dick's Sporting Goods in Richfield. He is the ultimate giver. He is as good as it gets when it comes to being a human being. He, along with Dick's, helped some local youth, underprivileged youth. He helped them spend $100 in gift cards. Each kid got a $100 gift card. So I caught up with him in the store at Dick's before he went on the shopping spree with those 10 young men and women. Here's my conversation with Larry covering myriad topics. What sort of joy does it bring you knowing the joy that you'll bring to these kids' faces when, when they arrive here in a little bit well i'm elated you know anytime you see a smile in a young person's face I minute mean, i think it, it makes everybody's heart warm you know that's uh i think the peers you know kids a child's happiness and um you know if i could just be a, a small part of that you know it really is, is dicks and their team that are providing uh you know the smiles i'm just happy i'm just here just to just to help them hold the shopping carts you're more than a small part though i mean your schedule is demanding the fact that you make the time says a lot well, I mean, I think it's important, you know, to, um, you know, to, to let them know that you care. Um, you know, obviously, 
participated in my football camp earlier and um, you know they had a great time and hopefully I taught them a little something that they might utilize and take you know maybe t- try to teach some of their classmates or teammates down the road and um, you know if I can be a, a small part of their happiness that that makes me that makes it all worthwhile for me. Being around kids does it make you feel like a kid again? Always, they they keep you young. You know, I, I can even say that in, in my in my day job. You know, I'm, I'm I'll be 35 soon, but when you're around a bunch of 21 and 22, 23 year olds, you know, you you feel young yourself. Speaking of being almost 35 here at the end of August, I mean, is it hard to believe that you're about to enter your 15th year in the NFL? Um, yes, yeah, like it's gone by pretty quickly. It's gone by fast, but um, you know, it's been a really good journey. I made some wonderful relationships and you know live my dream you know I, I don't really even feel like I have a I, I'm, I'm working you know when you're doing something you really love doing and enjoy doing it's not work it's um you know it's just like getting up and going and do something that you know that you want to do are you on a year-by-year basis now I mean yeah. can you commit to 2019 or at this point is 2019 up in the air um you know I'm just trying to make it you know to training camp and through training camp and preseason and I, I kind of let set little benchmarks for myself throughout the course of the year and um, you know, I just gotta, I gotta just stay on that. You know, I, I don't, um, I don't look too far ahead. Do you look at the records though? I mean, the fact that you're right up there in terms of both catches and yards. Uh, not really. I mean, that, that stuff is inconsequential. Um, you know, I, I would love to be able to have a chance to compete. You know, for a Super Bowl, and um, you know, that's that's the only thing that really is in my crosshairs. And uh, the only thing that actually would uh, legitimize my career at this point, another catcher, another yard, it's not going to do much. You like your team's chances? I mean, after you went through mini camp and OTAs and all that with the new coaching staff. And the great thing about the, the NFL is, you know, anybody can honestly win it. This is not like the NBA where you know you pretty much know you know what teams are going to be competing at the end of the year. Football with injuries and you know new players emerging and rookie sensations. You know, there's so many different variables and things that can happen. So, in actuality, every team has a legitimate shot at competing. You know, we just have to be able to you know come together and gel and and um, develop a strong new and play well. I mean, we know, too, that if Sam Bradford can stay healthy, he can sling the football. No question. I mean, I think everybody saw that, you know, Monday night last year in the opener against New Orleans, what he's capable of doing when he's when he's healthy. I mean, the guy's a precision passer. I mean, he can make every throw on the football field. He's extremely intelligent. And um, obviously, you know, we just have to do a, a good job of protecting him and making sure he's healthy. Do you have a sense of how new coach Wilkes is going to use you? I mean, presumably the way you've performed out of the slot, I would hope that you're in the slot a lot again. Well, I don't know exactly what my role is going to be. I think I'll learn more of that as these these next six weeks before the season um, starts. But, you know, I, I would I would assume that I would be doing some things similar to what I've been doing in the past. But, you know, I, I never, you know, assume anything. You know, I, you got to kind of earn your role, earn your position, earn, earn your touches. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready and willing to do that. You still have that attitude, though, that you're still earning your role. This is this is professional sports. You know, you're you're only as good as your last performance, and um, and you know you have to earn your keep every single day. I mean, it, they're not drafting these guys to come in here for their health. I mean, they're coming in here to take your job. They're coming in here to, to earn a living for their family. Um, but uh, I'm not gonna go quietly. You know, I got I got miles to feed, so I'm uh, I, I'm always up for the task. Before you guys signed Sam Bradford, I mean, for agency is nuts. Did you have a conversation with Kirk Cousins, and, and what kind of quarterback are the Vikings getting? 
Well, I love Kurt um, just as a man, first and foremost. You know, obviously what he's been able to accomplish on the field and his accuracy and his, his precision passing, I mean, it's well documented. But getting to know him and his wife and um, and his family throughout this reaging process was, was a real joy. You know, I'm, he's got a big fan in me for, forever, regardless if we ever play together. I just like him as a person. I wish him the best. Maybe after the September 23rd, the late Dennis Green will go into the Vikings Ring of Honor. When you found that out, what was what was your reaction? I was so happy. Um, you know, I wish he was here to, to to walk out there and and be recognized himself. But um, you know, just just go, going there later this year and be able to see his name up there on that stadium and to know some of the great things he did for this organization here in Minnesota. Um, you know, to be able to win 100 100 wins and. Um, I think six division um, titles here in Minnesota. He did an unbelievable job, you know, a 15-1 record. I mean, he did some some things that, um, you know, were pretty special, and I was able to be a part of it and, you know, his, his legacy um, and what he did for other people around him, giving guys opportunities and developing men like myself. You know, it's uh, something that we never can repay him. I lied. Actually, Randy Moss, first ballot Hall of Famer, somebody you know incredibly well. I mean, that was a no-doubter, right? No-brainer, first ballot. Well, I mean, he's the most dominant player I've ever been around. I mean, I never saw anything like that. You know, I remember in 1998 when he first walked on the scene and what he was able to accomplish that year. I mean, it was simply, it was simply amazing. I mean, I just watched in awe everything that he did and, you know, didn't have Kevin Garnett in the basketball side. I mean, it, like, it was like as a child, it was just a dream come true, man. It was a dream come true. Former Vikings ball boy, current Arizona Cardinals wide receiver, entering his 15th year in the NFL, future Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald Jr. The Cardinals travel to play the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium, so he said he looks forward to seeing Denny Green up there in the Ring of Honor, Arizona, in Minneapolis in mid-October. Also off-camera, gabbing with Larry I get the sense now, hey, everything is fluid, but if he plays a 16th year, my sense is even though he's a free agent, that he wants to play his entire career with the Arizona Cardinals. For so many years, we thought, hey, what about Larry Fitzgerald Jr. in purple, the former ball boy? What about coming home? I think that ship has sailed. I think if Larry plays a 16th year, he'll do it in the red and white of the Arizona Cardinals. Before we get to a conversation with Ravens tie end, the pride of Waconia former Gopher Max Williams, some Vikings notes. Head coach Mike Zimmer was on the flagship radio station on Tuesday saying the plan is to have Mike Remmers at right guard to start training camp. Now, if you've been a religious listener of this podcast going back multiple years, you've heard me say, or at least in the last year, you've heard me say how much The Vikings love Rashad Hill. And based on Remmers playing right guard in the playoffs, I mean, when the pressure's ramped up even more so, the New Orleans game, the Philadelphia game, it makes logical sense that they'll start camp with Remmers at right guard, Rashad Hill at right tackle. Center Pat Elfline, you think about the center quarterback chemistry, Kirk Cousins needs to get to know Pat Elfline. Well, Pat has another doctor's visit coming up here before training camp. The hope is he will get full clearance to be in the practice field on July 28th. But as we tape this on July 17th, that is up in the air. The first full padded practice, by the way, is Monday, July 30th. I'm talking about Vikings training camp in Egan. Everson Griffin missed a good portion of off-season workouts. He looked good on Tuesday morning at Providence Academy in Plymouth. The Kyle Rudolph football camp, Everson helped Kyle with that camp, and he looked great. So all signs point to Everson Griffin being good to go. Come July 28th. Also, Andrew Sandejo is said to be doing well. And Dalvin Cook remains ahead of schedule in his comeback from the ACL surgery. So look for him to be good to go. 
come July 28th. But July 30th really is that date to circle when they put those pads on for the first time since the NFC Championship game. I don't sense that anything is close on a Stephon Diggs or Anthony Barr contract extension. Then we look at the Tuesday news with Brandon Cooks and the Rams agreeing to a five-year, $81 million deal, $20.5 million fully guaranteed, $50.5 million guaranteed with injury. Now, it's really a two-year deal. It looks like it's a two-year deal. Then a wait and see. So it's pretty much 20 and a half, 21, 22 million, maybe a little bit more. I haven't really boiled down the numbers too much, but it's really a two year deal. Then we'll see where we're at. But hey, the big number, five years, 81. I mean, you look at that average, $16.2 million average. That is third among wide receivers behind Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. That is tied with DeAndre Hopkins. When looking at what's Stefan Diggs could potentially be aiming for. Then you think about Diggs' agent, just went through the Levy and Bell negotiations with Pittsburgh. You know, is his blood still boiling from that? Is there any carryover? Now, hey, all it takes is one new offer. But the word is the Vikings initially came in relatively low. Now, I get it. It's a negotiation. But I know that initially the sides were not close. But the Vikings absolutely want to keep Stephon Diggs long-term. If you're asking me to rank priorities I would say he is a bigger priority than Anthony Barr. But, hey, if Anthony Barr is willing to take a team-friendly deal like Daniil Hunter, the Vikings would absolutely wrap him up. But I'm just saying as I sit here on Tuesday evening, the 17th of July, there's no sense from digging at least a little bit that the Vikings are really close on either front. But dialogue certainly continues and will continue if a deal isn't reached by the start of training camp as training camp starts to ramp up. Still nothing on the Nick Easton front. That will be another one to keep an eye on if the Vikings have some interest in extending Easton. But as far as I can tell from checking around, nothing going on in that front. Clearly the Vikings' priorities are digs and bar, seeing if they can get extensions done with those two guys. All right, one other football note before we get to Max Williams. Then we can transition to Wolves notes. Galen Elmore from Somerset, Wisconsin, the former Gopher, transferred his final year to East Carolina. He signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. Three years, approximately $1.7 million. Well, he retired on Tuesday right before the start of Bengals training camp. I am told here's where I can advance the story. Here would be the scoop for the sake of the scoop podcast. I am told he has found his calling. He is entering the ministry. So congratulations to Galen Elmore. Great, great guy. He has found his calling. So all the best as Galen enters the ministry. All right. One of Galen's former teammates is Max Williams. They were teammates with the Gophers. Max was a great player at Waconia High School. Had his choice of many colleges coming out of Waconia High School. He chose the Gophers. Went on to be a second-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens. In the 2015 draft, he has now played three years in the NFL. He is entering his contract year. It is year four. The Ravens just took two tight ends pretty high in the draft. Max has missed 17 games the last couple years, one knee injury, then one ankle injury. So it is a big year. Durability this offseason has been as big a focus as ability, but he certainly looks good. I was with him a few days ago before he left for Baltimore. The Ravens have their first training camp practice on Thursday. He was training with the guys at Inspired Athletics in Plymouth. He hooked up with those guys through Mitch Leidner. Those guys have worked with a number of players, 
including, remember this name, Zach Anikstead, Gophers quarterback. The Inspired Athletics guys have worked with Zach. They've worked with a number of football players, so they do fantastic work. They were working with Max Williams from the end of Baltimore's minicamp until he left the other day for Baltimore training camp. So I caught up with Max at Inspired Athletics. How important are these few weeks, you know, the bridge from OTA's minicamp into training camp, especially for you guys, with you guys being in the Hall of Fame game, you know, starting training camp a week earlier than everybody else. Heck, this time next week, we're you'll the, be we're in the training heart of camp. But, but what's that balance like between, you know, you want to get some work in, but you also need to rest your body? You know, I think I look at it as it's three, four weeks off, but it's really not. Yes, you're not banging, and hitting, and doing football, but your mind has to stay with it and you have to stay in shape because as soon as camp hits, I mean, you're not just going to go out there and start conditioning again. I mean, it's football time. So this is kind of that last little month to get your body that little bit right that you need for the long haul of the season. I mean, we start, was it July 18th, I report, and you make the Super Bowl, that's, that's into February. So, I mean, that's a nice little stretch of time where your body's going to go through a lot, so you have to have it as right and as perfect as you can going into day one because you're only as healthy as you are in day one because from there on out it's football so you have to be ready to go and health is a big deal for you especially maybe more so than ever is it yeah. 17 games missed the last couple of years well what was Combined? it my second year yeah between those two years my second and third yeah, year I think so it was I mean, this is a huge year for you yeah you got to maintain that durability yeah my, i mean my knee surgery went great came back had the unfortunate ankle injury week two last year where i had to miss a few games here and there but you know, I feel great right now. I'll come here working with Grant, getting the PTA working, along with my body work and lifting. I feel great going this season, so I just want to go out there and have fun. What are those mental hurdles like? I mean, aside from the physical hurdles and, and the physical yeah, I, demand I just try to stay positive. injuries, I mean, how hard is that? I just try to stay positive. I mean, you can't control what happens. That's the way I look at it. So I've had my family with me the whole way. Great, great support group. Everyone's stuck with me back here in Minnesota, all my friends and my family and all in Baltimore, all my friends. So take it one day at a time, take it what it is, and do what I can every day. Your Gophers career, did you miss any games? Ooh. One. One, right? One. Isn't it nuts then? Yeah. Then you become a pro? I think I missed one. I can, I can name it too, San Jose State, because me and Mitch Liner didn't play in it. That's right. And okay. Strebler, Strebler had that one completion at the yes. whole game, but we rushed like 500 yards. Stunt, by the way. Exactly. He's starting up in Canada. Oh, Isn't like, that crazy that you miss one game in your Gophers career, mm-hmm. and then you have all these injuries as you become a pro? Yeah, I think, I think well, a lot of it stemmed down to my, my knee, where my whole rookie year I think I missed one game, and then I got through four games my second year, and then I had to get the knee surgery. So I missed, what, that's 12, and then I think I missed four or five last year for my ankle. So really, it's mm-hmm. been only that one little stretch my second year, but I had to do a knee surgery, which I look at as it was just like if I tore an ACL or did something else. So it happens. Now, I'm going to say I put all that behind me. Now I play hopefully six, seven, eight, more than nine years. Who knows what could happen? I mean, maybe 10 or 11. I mean, I know, I that's a long forget. time. That's a long time. 24? Yeah. I mean, you were about the youngest player in your draft class. I think I was the third youngest. I think people forget that. I think like, it I was. Think people uh, think you're 26, 27. Shoot. No, I think uh, I think it was. Mark Cooper was younger than me. Yeah. And plus for the Jets, D lineman. I forget his name right now. Leonard. Uh, yeah, kid from USC. Kid from USC. Yeah. I think those were the only two guys that were younger than me in that draft class. So, I mean, you think about that, but people forget that, don't they? Yeah. They forget how young you are. Well, it's what are you doing for me now kind of league, which I'm fine with because I've known that my whole life. My dad playing college football, obviously, and people are going to say things. You just roll with the punches, and, hey, 
you just try to have fun with the game, and that's what I do. I take it day by day, work as hard as I can, and take the good for the good and the bad for the bad. What are some focuses here at Inspired Athletics? I mean, you touched on working with Grant. A lot are, of the focus the here has specifics? been a lot of body work, keep your body moving. And we're trying to get those little things, the little details right that can make you that much, a little bit more explosive, keep you that much more of a mobility so you don't get hurt as easy. And overall, just be more explosive for the season. How did you hook up with Grant? I mean, he's worked with a lot of athletes. You know, I met Grant through Mitch. And then yeah. Mitch talked to Grant. Grant reached out to me and said, hey, this is what we're all about. Come out, try it. If not, it doesn't work out, it happens. And I've been here just about a month now, and I love it. I mean, I've had a great time here. We have fun lifting. We have fun working out. And that's what it's all about. I know mean, I have to come work hard every day, but, hey, I might as well do it having fun. All right, the Ravens go, what, tight end in the first round? Yep, and Tight third. end in the third round? Hey. I mean, what are you thinking as you're watching that? I mean, it's one thing you know, to go tight end We, we came in. Two tight ends, though? Before we came into the draft, our coach sat us down and talked to us. I mean, because me and Boyle are contract here. Mm-hmm. So, say we both left. So, they told us, hey, don't be surprised if we take one for sure early. And we'll probably take a second. Because how many problems have we ran in the past? I mean, what? My second year, Crockett was hurt. I got hurt. Ben got hurt. We were down to one guy. That's a good point. And then you're on the streets looking for guys. Yeah. I mean, we found some you great guys. You guys have dealt with met. a lot of injuries a lot Exactly, especially years. in the tight end room. Yeah. We'll just fluke things happening. I mean, stepping wrong, guy twisting up on me. And that's football. It happens. It's just been unfortunate for our group. So, the way I look at it, I mean, Hayden and Mark are great guys. I mean, I've had so much fun with them in OTAs, minicamp, helping them learn, learning things from them, learning about them. And competition's good. I mean, what can make you better than going against guys that you know are great football players? Hayden's older than you, right? Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. And being in the league, I found out a lot of weird things. So I take it for what they are now. But, yeah, Hayden is, uh, I think he's like a year and a half older than me. But he's got the red hair, so he fits in great. Just like replacing Ryan Jensen. Uh, it's goofy, though. I mean, you're entering year four. He's entering year one. Mm-hmm. And he's got 18 months or so yeah. on you. And, hey, whatever I look at, whatever team asks me to do, I'm going to do. Whatever I can do to make those two best football players me and Nick are going to do whatever we can because the better they are, the better we can be, the better our team can be. So you can say we drafted five guys in the first round of tight end. I'd look at it the same way. I'm still going to work as hard as I can, but still try to help them the best I can because it makes our team better if we're all better. You said you've experienced a lot of weird things so far being <laughs> in the NFL. I mean, expound on that. I mean, oh, I mean what has surprised you? Has the league surprised you in many ways? Oh, a bunch of different ways. I, I mean, I, re- I didn't really realize like how much it's a job. I mean, I was so used to just playing football. But, I mean, when you come in the league at 2021 and everyone on your team's got kids and wives, it's like no one's living all in the same area. I mean, it's different than college, so that definitely surprised me. I mean, college football, there's nothing like it. I mean, I loved it. Those are some of my best friends for life. I mean, pro football, absolutely love it, too. But it's just different. I mean, you can go look back at high school, too, going from high school to college. Way different than that. I mean, you got to grow up, and I had to learn how to be an adult. I mean, I was in Baltimore by myself having a full-time job so I mean I had to grow up really fast especially even early but I wouldn't change it for the world loved college I love being a pro have you grown up or are you still growing up I, I mean have you figured that part out <laughs> ask my mom that she might not say yes or no but I mean yeah I had to mature definitely in ways of being an adult I mean doing things on my own having my own house I mean before in your college I mean you have roommates and all that now I'm out there on my own and doing little things I mean Having a car out there and it breaks down, I mean, you got all that stuff. Those are things you didn't have to worry about in college. Dentist appointments, doctor's appointments. I mean, college, they just kind of take care of that and you go and they pros. It's like, well, we'll set your appointment up, but hey, you're on your own. But I'm still always going to be a big kid. I mean, I love my job. I, I tell everyone I wear sweats or athletic shorts every day to work. 
don't have to do anything but have fun and play a game for a living. I mean, what more could I ask for in life? Then you only get one day off a week, right? If that. Yeah. I mean, but, you're right. From July 18th until hopefully in your world, deep into January into February. <laughs> It's work. I mean, you don't really have many days off. Yeah, but then from whenever the season ends in February, hopefully, until April, as long as you stay in shape, I mean, you have all the time in the world just to relax and be with your family, travel, and really enjoy life at that point. But that's where people, especially casual fans, they don't realize that it really is 12 months a year. Oh, it really it's is. It's not like you're shutting down on February 20th. Exactly. March 20th. You're still working your, you know what tell, I tell everyone that, I mean, it's a full-time, year-round job. I mean, yes, it's the off-season, but if you treat it as an off-season, sit around, do nothing, and just party every day of your life, I mean, you're not going to last in the league because you have to dedicate your life to the sport. And that's how the way I look at it. I mean, yeah, I have fun. I'm going to travel with my family, hang out with friends, but not going to miss many days in the gym, not going to miss many days working out because as soon as you get back into it in April, they're expecting you to be in shape and be ready to play football. I mean, it's our job. It's what we're supposed to do. Is Marty Mornowig still the yep. offensive coordinator? Yep. Is his offense a good offense for you? I love it. I mean, it's a lot easier when you stay in the same system. I mean, I was fortunate enough in college to have the same system, and now I'm fortunate enough where basically when Mark Trestman left and Marty took over, we've had basically the same system. So it helps you learn because then you can really learn the ins and outs of the actual system that you run. You can learn all the details of our positions and really get a full grasp on what we want to do. I mean, you guys, I don't know if this is good or bad, but, I mean, looking at the numbers from last year, I mean, a lot of short passes. Hey, I, I just work there. Whatever coach yeah. asks us to do, we do. But I'm curious, I mean, from a tight end standpoint, would you like to see them spread the ball down the field a bit more to open things up maybe for, for you over I don't the think I would have a good answer for that because I would say it as more, we're going to run our system and I'm going to do what they ask. So if they want to spread us out, they will. If they want us in tighter, I'm just going to be there. I'm going to do my job. Whatever they ask me to do, I'm going to do it with my best ability. What's it like working with Joe? I mean, I love Joe. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, Joe's a, Joe is a great guy. I tell everyone Joe's probably one of the most fun guys in the locker room to be around. And it's not like he'll look at it as like, oh, that's a rookie or they're a defense. Joe is a great friend with every single person on that team, even if you've been there from day one through how he's been there, or your new guy that's just getting there might not be there very long. He's going to treat you the exact same as everyone else. He's going to joke around. He's going to have fun with you. I mean, just instant respect, too. I mean, when you won a Super Bowl... Yeah. Right, I mean, that well, speaks I think, for I think the one year, about three years ago, I think it was Morgan, our long snapper, bought all the Flacco Elite shirts with his face, and we showed up to a game with everyone wearing them. It's just little things like that. That's It's fun about being in that locker room with Joe, and he'll take it for what it is. And He's just a great guy every round, and he's probably got one of the best arms I've ever seen. Just to see what he can do throwing the ball with his arm strength with touch. I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good of an arm he actually does have. And I think he's that great person on top of it. Why don't you go after this? I mean, we saw you over at Gophers Pro Day. I mean, you still hang around mm-hmm. on campus. Are you paying much attention to what P.J. Fleck is doing? You know, I like trying to be around the Gopher program. I know I didn't play for Fleck or any of that staff, but, hey, I mean, that's still my school. It's still who I love to be around there because I want to see them win. I mean, why wouldn't I? It makes, makes me look better as a person that went there. It makes the state look better. It makes the school look better if they're winning games. So I tell Coach Fleck every time when we talk, like, hey, whatever I can do, let me know. I love coming around. He invited me whenever I want to come down, be around the team, anything like that, I can. And, and I love that because, I mean, I live and die for the Gophers. I mean, my dad was a Gopher, my mom, my uncle, my own grandpa. I mean, it's been in my blood since I can remember. So I would love to see them go out there and win every game and go to the national championship. I mean, how cool would that be? So I mean, just get to Pasadena. I mean, I mean if it's winning a national championship, great. But if you can find a way just to get to the Rose Bowl. That would be awesome in itself. I mean... 
whatever I can do. I always try. Last year I came back, saw the Gopher game against Nebraska where they won that game. Mm-hmm. So that was my first game back since being a league girl to watch because of the bye week lined up. Mm-hmm. So tried to make it out for when they played Maryland, but our schedules didn't line up that way. But, you know, anything I can do, anytime I can get down there, why wouldn't I go support them and show them that us alumni that have been there still care about them and we care about if they're winning and how they're doing. Maybe after this, something just hit me. Your name's popped up in trade rumors. I mean, is that flattering? I mean, that, that maybe some hey, other teams want you? I don't look at that. Anything that pops up anywhere, I'm just going to focus on me and focus on the team and what we can do. Anything that people are talking about, people are going to talk, people are going to say whatever. I'm just going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on the team. I'm focused on my job. And whatever happens, happens, you know. I can't control that kind of stuff. I can't control if I even make the team. The only thing I can do is go out there and play my best football and let the cards fall how they fall. But you know what I mean, even if somehow you did make the team, you know that with your skill set, you're going to be in the league for a while. Hey, you can say that now, Whether but some, something could happen. Else, Los exactly. Angeles, you name the city, you're going to be in the league. You never know. And people can say that, but you never know what can happen. That's the way I look at it. I mean, I take it day by day. That's what my dad's told me since high school football, little league football, is I can't control what happens tomorrow. Shoot, I can't control what happens when we're done talking here when I'm driving home. I just take it for what it is at the moment, and if it's at the moment, it's football, I'm going to give it everything I have. If it's training, I'm going to have everything I have. When I go home, I'm going to hang out with my family, be with my friends, and give them everything about me because, you know, I love that and everything about it. So day by day, whatever happens tomorrow, I'll worry about when I come around then. From Waconia, former Gopher, Ravens tight end, Max Williams, entering his fourth year in the NFL. He's only 24 years old. It should be a very interesting preseason for Max. Because, hey, whether it's the Chargers, other teams, they're looking for tight ends. So if Baltimore says, hey, we can get a decent draft pick for Max, as much as we like Max, we did take two tight ends relatively high in the draft, including with their first pick. It'll be interesting to see what the future holds for Max Williams. But I wasn't lying when I told him I firmly believe that he has many more years left in the NFL. I just wonder if it's in Baltimore or somewhere else. We transition to the Wolves for a rock-solid Wolves update in case you missed it. Owner Glenn Taylor was a guest of mine on Scoop Podcast episode 159 just a couple days ago. He was fantastic on free agency. Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Tom Thibodeau, Andrew Wiggins. He was nice enough to give me about 28 minutes of his time. We talked links for six, seven, eight minutes because... They're certainly pertinent, but it ended up going longer on the Wolves, and he is an open book. I mean, that's what we appreciate about owner Glenn Taylor. As open as any owner in Forget This Town in professional sports. So I greatly appreciate Glenn Taylor's time on Scoop Podcast episode 159. Some Wolves notes that I can add. Carl Anthony Towns hosts his summer camp this week at Providence Academy in Plymouth. He is talking to the media on Wednesday. Now, whether he decides to answer questions about his relationship with Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau, that remains to be seen. But Carl Anthony Towns will speak with reporters on Wednesday afternoon. As for the five-year max extension that Glenn Taylor talked about that they've made an offer to Towns on, expect Towns to sign that offer sooner rather than later. You don't turn down max money off your rookie contract regardless of any sort of hiccups that you might be experiencing. So that is still on pace to get done in the near future. Closed circuit to the Hubbard Radio bosses. Yes, they have to vacuum. I get it. I'm burning the midnight oil here. But 
holy cow, I've got the studio door shut, yet you can hear the vacuum cleaner through the door into the microphone. It looks like they are done with this particular area of the studio or outside the studio in the newsroom. But yeah, you can't make it up that the vacuum cleaner is loud enough to carry through the door what is supposed to be a soundproof door (laughs) into the microphone. But we are done with the vacuum noise in the background. Also on the Wolves, there was a Twitter report. I don't know if this guy has any legitimacy whatsoever. I can't even remember his name. He's got like 18,000 followers, though, although who knows? Maybe he bought those followers. I don't know. But he reported on Tuesday, and it got retweeted a number of times. It showed up in my feed, oh, about 10 times or so, people asking, hey, any truth to this? This individual reported that the Knicks and Wolves have started talking about preliminary talks, but have started to talk about a Jimmy Butler trade. I can tell you that is false. That is incorrect. That is not true. That report is a bunch of BS. Do not trust that report. And considering the source, don't trust that source. That would be my advice. That is not true. The Wolves and Knicks have not had any dialogue whatsoever in regards to Jimmy Butler. I have that from multiple angles. So that report is a bunch of crap. All right, a reminder, by the way, on Jimmy Butler that it just doesn't make financial sense. I really didn't have time to get into this on the Glenn Taylor episode. I'll just lay it out right now, even though it's been laid out in other places. One year from now, if he chooses free agency, which he will, he can re-sign with the Wolves five years, $190 million, or sign elsewhere. Many teams will have cap space. About half the league will have cap space, if not more, depending on what takes place in the next handful of months. But right now it looks like about half the league will have cap space next summer. He could sign with another team four years, $141 million. The Wolves' offer to Jimmy this summer was four years as much as they could offer, approximately $110 million, maybe even slightly below that. That's as much as the Wolves can offer within the rules. He, of course, said no. Definitely not surprising, just newsworthy when the owner goes on the record with that. But just from a logical standpoint, a financial standpoint, it makes way more sense for Jimmy Butler and his agent Bernie Lee to wait for a year from now. As Glenn Taylor said, the Wolves are looking for still some shooting some wings, they're at 12 guaranteed contracts. Look for them to get to 14 before the season starts. Doesn't look like they'll get to 15, but still, they have to add a couple bodies. He said they were looking more at younger guys because I threw out the idea of Corey Brewer just because I heard that Corey Brewer would accept the veteran minimum to come here, but the Wolves have not made an offer. They've reached out. Heck, they've reached out on a number of guys, but some guys they've reached out on that fit the mold of what they are looking for, younger type guys that can defend to a degree, can certainly make some shots. Here are some names. Jabari Bird, Trevion Graham signed on Tuesday with the Brooklyn Nets. Here's the word on Graham. So the Nets make an offer. The Wolves have shown interest for a number of days, going back even a week, week and a half, maybe even longer than that. And that camp then reached out to the Wolves and said, hey, we have this offer from the Nets. Would you like to make an offer? I'm told actually the Wolves made an offer, but it was too late. He was already far down the road with the Nets. Feels like there's more of an opportunity to play with the Nets just from the standpoint of, you know, Tibbs is going to play Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins heavy minutes. So it's an uncertain spot to be in when you're backing up those guys here in Minnesota. But because Brooklyn was so aggressive, showed so much interest, Trevion Graham went to Brooklyn, even though the Wolves did make an offer last second. But it was almost like a token offer because at that point, It was too late, but the Wolves definitely had interest, extended a last-second offer. 
but he is going to the Brooklyn Nets. The Wolves have maintained interest in one of Jimmy Butler's friends, good friends, Marcus George's Hunt, but there's another team that is a bit more aggressive at this point. So there's still a chance until that team makes a formal offer, but I know that the George's Hunt camp feels like that an offer is coming in the very, very near future, and if that team makes the offer... There's a good chance George's Hunt will sign with that team, but the Wolves are still kicking the tires on him among many guys. They have many guys on their list. Brandon Paul is another name. The Wolves made him an offer last summer before he chose the San Antonio Spurs. He has a guarantee day coming up on August 1st. Will the Spurs guarantee his contract for next year, or will they decline it, making him an unrestricted free agent? That is a name to watch if he hits the open market on August 1st. Darren Hilliard, David Nwamba, although on Nwamba, I'm told right now he is not open to taking the minimum, at least here in Minnesota, but that could change as the summer moves on. Then you look at the guys they had in summer league, Emil Jefferson. I know the Wolves still have a healthy opinion of Jefferson, so I guess I would not be shocked if eventually they make an offer. Then Charles Cook, he's another name that the Wolves have some interest in. Maybe he makes some sense on a two-way deal. They got the kid from Rhode Island on one two-way. They still have another two-way deal to hand out. I know Emil Jefferson is not interested right now in a two-way. He feels like he's earned a standard NBA deal, which he had for a couple seconds at the end of the regular season. But there are just so many names on the Wolves' free agent board. But at some point, they have to start making offers, real offers, not a token offer like to Trevion Graham. So maybe that will change in the near future. Plus, there is still a belief, I'm a broken record here, that the Wolves are waiting to see if, among many guys, become available, Lou Aldang and Joe Kim Noah. So while Glenn Taylor says, hey, we're looking to go younger, if one or both of those guys hit the market, you can bet that Tom Thibodeau would have interest in his former players. Other questions I've been asked, so I can just answer them in one forum here, as opposed to sending a bunch of tweets back or emails. The Wolves were not one of the teams at the Jaleel Okafor Vegas free agency workout. They were not at Rodney Stuckey's free agent workout either, although they did express some interest in being there early, and there was even a belief they would be there, but they did not show up. They did call last second to say they wouldn't be there, uh, but they did not make it. Bottom line, they did not make the Jalil Okafor free agent workout or the Rodney Stuckey free agent workout. The Wolves did not talk to Memphis before Tuesday's trade that sent Ben McLemore to Sacramento. I saw the Mark Stein report that the Wolves and Raptors talked last summer about an Andrew Wiggins-DeMar DeRozan deal. I would trust Mark on that. Not that the deal ever got off the ground, but there is a belief in NBA circles that one day Andrew Wiggins will play in Toronto. So to me, it's a matter of when, not if. He plays in his hometown. We might be talking seven years from now, five years from now, three years from now. I don't think it's anytime real soon. I see Andrew Wiggins starting the season with the Wolves, but just something to keep an eye on. But I just want to make note of the Mark Stein report. Uncle Mercy on Carmelo Anthony questions. He has zero interest in being in Minnesota. And guess what? The Wolves have zero interest in having Carmelo Anthony. They did not talk to New York before he got traded to Oklahoma City. They don't have interest now. So Uncle Mercy enough. No more Carmelo Anthony questions. The Wolves have zero interest there's been lots of positive talk, and rightfully so, about the Wolves draft class. But I think locally, at least here in the Twin Cities, we're forgetting about Detroit, Memphis, Dallas, New York, Houston, Indiana, other places. I just think when we look back at this draft in three, four, five years, we're going to look back and say, you know what? There were a lot of good players, helpful players in this draft. because And Summer League, don't get me wrong, I don't over 
value summer league, but the feedback from people that were in Vegas was this rookie class has a chance to be really, really good. I mean, you think about DeAnthony Melton, who the Wolves had in for a workout. He goes, what, early 40s? He had a phenomenal summer league for Houston. Aaron Holiday has a chance to be really, really good. The Wolves passed on him. They couldn't get him in for a workout, which didn't do them any favors. His camp had no interest in being here. Regardless, he ends up going 23 to Indiana. He has a chance. To be really, really good. Go up and down the list. I mean, the two guys that Detroit got, Detroit didn't have a first-round pick. And they end up with Bruce Brown Jr. and Kyrie Thomas. I mean, there's a lot of people loving Detroit's draft, especially Bruce Brown Jr., the way he played in Vegas. So just so many teams, but the Wolves included. I mean, a lot of people look at Keita Bates' job and say, wow, the Wolves got a steal there in the mid-40s. So just keep that in mind. You can praise the Wolves' draft all you want. And I'm telling you, rightfully so, the Wolves, it looks like, had a good draft, but don't forget that there's many other teams that also had good drafts. Let's move on to the Twins in no particular order. Just some notes I jotted down. First round pick Trevor Larnick was set to fly to Elizabethton, Tennessee on Monday, get settled in. Tuesday was an off day. He should make his pro debut on Wednesday for Elizabethton. Cole Sands, who the Twins took, what, fifth round Florida State pitcher. He is not close to making his professional debut. He just he threw so many innings during the course of the season for Florida State. There's no rush from the Twins' standpoint to get him back on the mound. The Twins still are open for business. I would still bet on multiple trades before the July 31st non-waiver deadline, but they can play this thing out. You look at those Royals games coming out of the break, then the Blue Jays, heck, if they end up going 6-0 and in those games, maybe their philosophy changes to a degree, but they could still sell some guys and still go for it. I would still keep an eye on Zach Duke. I think there's a very good chance Zach Duke ends up elsewhere. Lance Lynn is absolutely available, especially with Irvin Santana due back pretty quick. In fact, I was texting with somebody close to Irvin. Looks like one more rehab start, then if all goes well, he should be back in the Twins rotation for that Blue Jays series, possibly even July 24th. And Fernando Rodney is also available. The question is, do they move either infielder? And I'm not including Joe Maurer because he's got his 10-5 and rights. He can veto a trade. I don't see Joe Maurer going anywhere, but Brian Dozier and Eduardo Escobar. I can tell you the Red Sox absolutely like Dozier. The Red Sox have interest in Dozier. The question is, can the Red Sox bring in a couple million dollars or right up against the luxury tax? And it's not like the Red Sox have a deep farm system. So you would be getting little in return. Is that worth the PR hit of moving Dozier? But the teams that will miss out on Manny Machado, it looks like Machado will end up with the Dodgers. According to national reports, that deal could be announced as soon as Wednesday. So teams like the Phillies, the Brewers, the Braves. The Braves haven't been talked about much, but they've had scouts at Target Field going back the last few weeks. Those are teams to keep an eye on when it comes to Dozier and Escobar. But I'm telling you, the Red Sox absolutely like Dozier. I just wonder if if they can take on the money. And what sort of prospect can they give up? Because their farm system is not deep at all. Moving on to the Wild, I recently hung out with two of the Wild's new players, Matt Hendricks, who went to Blaine High School, and JT Brown, who went to Rosemount High School. I'll start with Matt Hendricks and look for Matt to get back on the ice in the coming weeks. I know he had something cleaned up, a lower body situation. He just got dinged up a little bit last year toward the end of the year in Winnipeg. So I know that he had something very minor done. He should return to the ice, probably will even play in the beauty league in the coming weeks. Here is my conversation with 
new wild forward. He has a history of Bruce Boudreau, played for him in the minors, and in Washington, he went to Blaine High School. Matt Hendricks, also the pride of St. Cloud State. Matt, is it safe to say, you know, whether it's a dream come true, however you want to term it, that that you signing with the Wild is about as good as it gets in your world? Absolutely. Um, So much excitement, not only for myself, but my family, my wife, Kim, my uh, son, Gunner, daughter, Lennon, my parents, sister, like everyone, everyone is so excited. You know, to come back here after, you know, a pretty long career and and finally get to play for your home state, your home team in Minnesota, it's, 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 it's a dream come true. It's a lot of excitement, and, and I, can't, I couldn't be happier. Take us through the process, the dynamics of how it came together. I mean, was it that first day when, when your agent could take some phone calls from the Wild that they reached out? And then, you know, as soon as July 1st hit, they extended the offer. And yeah, kind of during yes right away. Right, kind of during that courting period, uh, my agent spoke with Paul Fenton a little bit. And, you know, we realized that there's some interest here in Minnesota. And, you know, it was exciting. And as, as great a, as last season was for me in Winnipeg and the city of Winnipeg and the, the organization and my teammates, this just made a lot more sense to be home where my family is, where my kids are going to school and and to be a part of that, be a part, you know, be a part of their everyday lives, whether it's going to hockey practices or dance recitals or dance practices, being able to help them with their homework at night and all those little things that I missed out on last season. That's what I really look forward to. When you talk to your agent, I mean, did you guys look at the wild and say, hey, because of your history with Bruce? Hey, it'd be nice if they called. And then what was your reaction when you found out that they reached out and had interest? Yeah, and there was a little bit of talk last season as well going into, you know, when I was a free agent before I went to Winnipeg, signed in Winnipeg. And, you know, I knew, I know Bruce, Bruce really well. Um, played for him in the minors, played for him in Washington with the Caps. And whenever I get a chance to see him, you know, we have a, a little chit-chat and, and talk. He gives me a few jabs here and there, but... I know that he really respects what I bring and what I bring to a team and how I can help strengthen the culture of a group. And um, I, I had a good feeling that, that he was going to push for me this season, and, you know, he did. And, you know, I thank him and Paul Fenton for, for giving me the opportunity to play at home. Expound on some of those things that you can bring to a team. I mean, you know, whether it's the penalty kill, whether it's multiple positions up front, I mean, you can do a lot of things, can't you? Yeah, Darren, you touched on it there for in terms of my on-ice contributions. It's going to be penalty killing, face-offs. I play a pretty physical brand of hockey. Um, I like to talk a lot on the bench, kind of keep the guys up, keep, keep, keep everybody motivated, keep everybody in tune with what's going on in the game. And, you know, just uh, I think it's just in my nature to bring people together in a, in a room. You know, I, I, I kind of get a little bit of crap once in a while from guys because I'm a little too high-spirited. But, you know, I love the game of hockey, and I love, uh, I love my job. So each day I go to the rink, it, you never know when it's going to end at this level especially. So I cherish it. Speaking of that, I mean, do you feel like you still have a few good years left in you? Oh, yeah. I haven't hit the 10-goal plateau yet. I'm still I'm pushing for that. So I think this might be the year. So, I mean, you feel like even though you're on a one-year deal, the hope is maybe you can be here for the next handful of years. Uh, well, you know, that's my goal. My goal is to, when I go into training camp, I want to push guys for opportunity, push them for their jobs. You know, that sounds like, well, maybe that's not a good teammate, but that's what I think makes a team, the culture within a group, competitive. And when we're pushing each other every day, whether it's practice or in the gym or on the bike, that's how we're going to improve as a group. You don't want to just 
come in flat-footed and say, okay, well, this is where I stand on this team. You want to drive, you want to push the guys ahead of you to get better as well. So that's how I look at every season going forward, and you never know what can happen. Do you have a sense of what your role will be? I mean, in those conversations with Bruce, with Paul, I mean, yeah, it'll are be, you in the fourth line? Are you an extra yeah, forward? How do you be, fit in? You know, 12th, 13th forward, you know, maybe in and out of the lineup, but, you know, that's for them to determine once camp's done. And, and you know, when the cards fall and the chips fall where they may, that's for them to decide. But my, my job is to go in and try to earn a spot that I can play every night. What's this journey been like? I mean, you think about it. I mean, how many years ago were you drafted? It took a long time. You didn't sign with Nashville. They drafted you, right? Paul Fenton was there. You didn't sign. You go to St. Cloud State. It took a long time to make your NHL debut. You've bounced around. I mean, just put into words what this journey's been like for the last 20-plus years. It's been pretty incredible. You know, um, gosh, I I didn't make – I played four games when I was 27 that season. I was playing in Lake Gear in – Lake Erie with the Lake Erie Monsters in Cleveland. And I got called up, played four games in Denver at 27. And you know, I went into camp as a 28-year-old, and I finally made a, an NHL roster in opening night. So that was obviously incredible. And then, you know, you soak that in for a couple of weeks, a month, half a season, and you're thinking, man, I really want to make this my job for life, and I don't want to leave. Because once you get that taste of the National Hockey League, you never want to leave. And, uh, you know, it's been a... A bumpy road with injuries. You know, I've spent, I've played in a lot of great places with a lot of great fans and learned a lot, played with some great teammates some great, for, for some great coaches. And, you know, I'm very grateful of what the game's given me so far and hopefully it gives me more. <laughs> you touched briefly on Bruce. What makes Bruce such a good coach? His uh, ability to get inside an individual player. He has a knack to be able to coach each person a little bit differently. He understands kind of what makes him work, but it's not like he just looks at you and understands that. He's, he likes to get to know his players, and he, he, he's very personable. He has a good relationship with, with most, if not all, of his guys, and, but he works at that. It's not something that, you know, like I said, he, he doesn't just come in and, and look at you and say, well, okay, I'm going to coach you this way. He really understands his guys, and, you know, I think as the head leader of a team that's the best way to go about it and you know I've played for him and his record shows through not only the National Hockey League but through the minors as well that you know he he really has a good uh, a good way of supporting his players pushing his players and at the end of the day his record shows for that what stood out when you when you played the Wild in the playoffs when you got in the one game and you certainly saw them in the regular season, but things ramp up to another level. Obviously, come the postseason, what what stood out to you when, when you were in Winnipeg playing the Wild in the playoffs? They're a very good team. They play with a lot of structure. They've got some very high end players. They're a very good goaltender. Um, you look at their last month, month and a half of the regular season, they were the best team in the league, and they had some tough injuries, especially you know down the stretch there into the playoffs losing Suter was a you know about as big of a hurdle as you could you could try and get over so they weren't quite the team that they were that last month and a half of the regular season but there's no if we got any better this offseason that team's going to be something to something to reckon with for sure the room how many guys are you friendly with familiar with I mean certainly playing in the beauty league you have to know a lot of the guys I would imagine well it's a very unique situation in the fact that you know, I stayed 
throughout the past I don't know how many years I would I stay here till you know about a week or two before training camp would open and then I'd leave so but the majority of the wild players come back pretty early because there's like you said there's a beauty league that kind of goes up you know the majority of the summer but then there's agent camps that start up you know two three weeks before training camp so you've got a lot of wild players cycling in to go and join these camps so I've got to know a lot of a lot of guys that way and it's a it's a great group of players. It's they're a lot of fun to be around. What's the focus this summer? I mean, are there still things that you're working on even at your advanced age? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, a smarter guy than I once told me that you can't gain speed once you're past I don't know 32, 33 years old. But you know, my goal now is to maintain everything I can and to be in the best shape I can be and come come camp and you know, like I said, push guys for opportunities, push guys for ice time. We go from the pride of Blaine High School to the pride of Rosemount High School. Wild forward J.T. Brown. He signed a two-year deal. Matt Hendricks signed a one-year deal. One year, $700,000. J.T. Brown, two-year deal. I think it's like right in that one three one four range. So I caught up with J.T. on Friday late morning. Later in the evening, he played 24 straight hours of the video game Fortnite. So toward the end of the conversation, I asked him about that endeavor. He did it to raise money for charity. He played along with some other NHL players, some fans. I know Brock Besser of Burnsville was a part of that ordeal. So anyway, that is some of my line of questioning toward the end of the conversation with JT, just because it was done right before he was about to embark on that 24-hour fortnight journey. JT, does the cliche hold true that, that time flies? I mean, it seems like it wasn't that long ago that we saw you starring at Rosemont High School, and then lo and behold, you win a national championship at Duluth. Now all of a sudden, it's come full circle. You're now playing for the hometown Wild. Yeah, I mean, things move pretty quickly. Uh, obviously, it's been a good time in the other places I've played, but uh, I'm really happy to be back here in Minnesota. How did it come about? I mean, were there multiple teams in on you? How did the deal with the Wild come about? I just kind of, you know, once they had the offer, I kind of knew it was something that I wanted to do. So, I mean, right away it was sort of, you know, I told my wife and we made the decision right away. I mean, even from afar the last couple of years, whether in Tampa or in Anaheim, did you think, hey, the Wild would be a good situation for me? Yeah, I mean, obviously in the back of your mind, you know, coming home and playing for your hometown team obviously sits there a little bit. But, uh, you know, when it ended up happening, you know, obviously I was excited. How crazy was last year for you changing teams? It was different. Obviously being with one team for so long, uh, you know, the initial shock of moving to a new team right away. But, you know, you settle back in, you're there to play hockey. I mean, once you start playing again, all of that kind of goes away. Was Anaheim trying to bring you back? Yeah, I mean, obviously Anaheim, I had a good time there and, I like the organization and staff, uh, but, you know, for me, this was a decision that, you know, I made with my wife, and, you know, when you think about family and, you know, being able to be back here was something that we look forward to. Have you had discussions with Boudreaux, with Fenton, with Curvers, who you know? I mean, do you have a sense of, of how your role will, will evolve here? Yeah, I've had uh, conversations with all of them. I think bringing the same physical energy game that I've brought for the last few years, obviously we want to try to tap back into that scoring touch from you know the earlier days in my career and I think you know this would be a great place to do it. How has your role changed over the years? I mean you were this big time goal scorer and you can still score goals but but has your role changed a little bit? Yeah I mean I think I did what I needed to do to fit into the roster that was in Tampa and to make sure that I stayed in the league and you know I kind of pride myself on that to be able to play in different roles in different situations so I think changing wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but I just got to remember that, you know, the other part's still there. 
Do you have a good amount of versatility? I mean, whether it's, you know, power play, penalty kill, you know, whether they want to move you up to the second line, whether you play on the fourth line. Yeah, I've been able to move up and down the lineup, uh, and, you know, kind of fit in. I think, you know, using your speed kind of helps with that. But, you know, I'm ready for whatever situation they throw me into. How did playing high school hockey here in Minnesota, the state of hockey, how did that set you up for where you are today? I mean, you can't get much better than uh, the high school hockey here. I mean, if you just look, even, you know, let's say tournament sells out the XL. I mean, it is the biggest thing we have here. And, you know, to be able to come back, you know, and show, go back to your roots uh, and play for the Wild here it would be awesome. And then you think about the memories you created winning a national championship at Duluth. It's just right on top of all that, right? Yeah, I mean, I was joking around. Like, every time I walk into the XL, we walk right past kind of the corner where we had the celebration afterwards. And, you know, you still think about it. It pops right back into your head. You get a smile on your face. So I'm excited to be out there more often than just once a year. How friendly are you with some of the guys in the wild locker room? Uh, I know a lot of the guys already just from playing against them, uh, being in Minnesota and training with people. So I kind of know... I know a lot of guys pretty well. So, I mean, it's from a chemistry standpoint, it's not going to be much of an adjustment. Yeah, I mean, having played with all the, all, all the guys, but uh, at the same time, you know, you're friends with them off the ice and on the ice, so I don't see it being a problem. You certainly have told the story many times, but can you tell us the story on camera now about, about how you went the hockey route, considering, I mean, you're wearing the Vikings hat, your dad's background playing for the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, I always just say, like, I don't know if I would have played hockey had we not grown up in Minnesota and... You know, I'm thankful for that, and obviously I went to Rosemont High School from there, uh, Waterloo Blackhawks in the USHL, played my two years in Duluth, and you know, since then I was with Tampa, and then the last part of last year with Anaheim, so it's been a, a different journey, but uh, it's been a good one. How, I mean, did you ever think about going the football route? Did you play football growing up to a degree? Yeah, I played football uh, growing up through middle school, and you know, kind of when high school came around, I decided that I wanted to play hockey, and, you know, that was where my passion was. Fatherhood. How has fatherhood changed you? It's different. Uh, less sleep. You're not thinking about yourself anymore. It's always, uh, we're always on the baby's time. So it's definitely uh, changed, but it's for the good. I'm excited to see and, you know, to keep watching uh, my daughter grow. And certainly the family is going to grow even more than just the one daughter. Yeah, we're expecting an, another baby boy in uh December so we'll have two and you know thankfully we are home and we have family I know my parents are excited to be able to watch uh, their grandkids a little bit more often. What was that phone call like when you called your parents and said hey I'm coming home I'm signing with the wild? Uh, they had to make sure I wasn't joking with them first uh, they they were super excited but at the same time they thought that I might be uh, pulling a prank on them. We were talking off camera tell us about the event that you're taking part in starting here Friday night. Uh, we're having a NHL Fortnite event uh, where we're getting guys from around the league to play in a custom lobby on Fortnite. Uh, I've opened up uh, slots for fans to play. They've already been notified, but basically we're just all getting together and I'm streaming for Hockey is for Everyone for charity and all the money that's been donated for me streaming throughout the year and throughout this event will be donated to them. I mean, how long have you been playing Fortnite? I mean, somebody told me that knows you well that, that you're like this expert player when it comes to Fortnite. I won't go as far to say expert, but you know I feel like I'm pretty pretty decent at the game. At least I should be for as much time as I put into it. Um, you know I've been playing pretty much since the start. I think I took the first two months off to wait to see what the hype was going to be, but since I started, uh, it's been nonstop. I mean, there are people that make money playing video games, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, are you that good that if you wanted to do that, you could do that? No, it's a it's a whole nother level. I play with. Uh, a couple pro guys that do actually get paid to play the game. Uh, um, 
on Friday nights, and they are a lot better than I am. It's not, it's not the same league. So, I mean, I'm good, but at the same time, the skill gap between me and someone who's getting really paid to, to play the game is quite large. Your significant other gives you the, the leeway to play at least a little bit, even with, with the one-year-old? Yeah, I mean, it's always give and take. Uh, I don't try. I don't play as much during the day. It's more, you know, once we put uh, Lily to bed, we then it's like, all right, you can go play now. So I try to balance it as much as possible. The event that starts tonight, I mean, is the hope that, you know, moving forward here next year, the year after, that this thing will just keep growing and growing and growing? Yeah, I think as the first year is sort of just testing the water, seeing if guys were willing to, you know, to participate in an event like this. And, you know, going forward, the sky's the limit. And then the charitable cause, tell us about how you connected with them. Uh, obviously, the well, Hockey is for Everyone is part of the NHL's foundation, so being able to work with them and, you know, each team has their Hockey is for Everyone month, um, it just made it easy and it's something that, you know, I feel like I believe in and that works well with my core beliefs, so to be able to donate to them was something special. Maybe after this, t- take us through the, the next handful of weeks and months as, as you get into training camp. What will you be doing, you know, the rest of July into August? Oh, it's kind of the same old. I uh, train here back in Minnesota. You know, we have a good group of guys that uh, train and skate over at uh, St. Thomas. And, you know, it's just a battle every day. You got to try to get better. You know, we're pushing each other. And, you know, that's the way it's been over the last five, six years. And, you know, I continue to push that way. And Casey Middlestead of the Buffalo Sabres, the former gopher, pride of Eden Prairie, is among those players that JT skates with on a pretty regular basis at St. Thomas Academy in Mendota Heights. It was fun talking with Matt Hendricks and JT Brown hockey players. Oftentimes are about as good as it gets. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 160. I'll be back in the coming days. I've got conversations with Jack Morris. Who else? Jalen Suggs. I caught up with Jalen Suggs the other day while he was home for about 48 hours. He just won gold medal with USA under 17 in Argentina and you know he's he's a future NBA player all that good stuff one of the best heck football players in the Midwest when it comes to the quarterback position heck Ohio State wants him to play quarterback I mean he's one of those just great dual sport athletes so that'll be on a future podcast likely podcast episode 161 please support Skull Marketing if you're a small business owner any sort of business owner check out their website skullmarketing.com you can call them for a free 30-minute consultation, 612-787-SKOL, 612-787-SKOL. They are here to help you. So if you're a business owner looking for some help, you need more business, think about utilizing Skoll Marketing. They keep the podcast going. Thank you for listening, everyone. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. on the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to recommend the best products for your vehicle and budget. Get maximum cooling system performance for 10 years or 300,000 miles with peak long-life universal pre-mixed antifreeze and coolant. Now just $3.99 after mail-in rebate. Limits apply. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit OReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.